Welcome to the latest episode of At Home with Dylan Rogers, where we go behind the scenes with South Africa's top sports stars and get to know them a little bit better and, and focus on what they get up to off the field. And I'm joined today by Lions scrum off Dylan Smith, who not so long ago had fought himself into the number one scrum off position at the Lions. And then in the very first game of the season, once the action got underway once again, went and dislocated his shoulder. So Dylan, I mean, it's stating the obvious, but uh, just how disappointing is that? Yeah, it's quite bad. Uh, like you said, I worked really hard to get myself into the team and uh, we had a really good pre-season with the lockdown and we worked really hard to get there. And then in the first game, I dislocated my shoulder. So I, I was very gutted about it, but I'm over it now and looking forward to what lies ahead and excited for the for the recovery period and the rehab. Well, what does that recovery look like? How many months are you looking at uh, until you can get uh, back on the field again? Yeah, it's about four months. Uh, they say it's about between four and five, but we're pushing for four months so I can get back on the field as quick as possible. And uh, we were working really hard to get uh, to get me back on the field. Well, give us a sense of that work. You know, um, you know, you obviously had a routine as a, as a rugby player, a Lions rugby player, of going in and training and working towards games. What does your week like look like now from a, from a rehab and recovery point of view? Yeah, it's quite different. Uh, I'm I'm a bit more. In my own time now, I have to work on my own and, and with the physios more than with the coaches. So I go in in the mornings and do a bit of physio and swim work uh, where I do rehab in the swimming pool. And then it's in the first six weeks, it's a bit more just to loosen up the shoulder, get the mobility back again. And after I get out of the sling, it's more, more strengthening work to get the shoulder back to action again. And you see your teammates? Yeah, I see them a little bit, not as as much as I used to. So I miss them. I miss them quite a lot, and I miss the chats between trainings and in the gym. So yeah, I see them a little bit, but not as much as I would like to. Obviously, stings a bit. I would imagine seeing them training for games. Yeah, that's bad. I actually try to not see how they train and the much fun they're having on the field because uh, it's quite saddening for me. So I just see them there in the locker rooms and stuff, but I try not to look at the trainings because it's quite sad. You guys have uh, WhatsApp groups? Yes, we have a WhatsApp group for, for chatting between the mates. And uh, is there much banter from, from a playing point of view? Are all the players on one or is it players and, and coaching staff all on all on a WhatsApp group or are they kind of different ones? No, we've got uh, one where all, everyone is on the same group. So it's quite, it's quite nice because there's a lot of banter and good chats between everyone. Are there any rules there about what you can and can't do or say on that group? Uh, not written rules. Like, yeah, <laughs> not anything that's written onto paper, but I think there's, there's some stuff that we just stay away from because there is ladies and everyone run on the group as well so we stay away from <laughs> from those stuff we're not allowed to yeah no p- posting of uh, saucy pics so, so tell me now who fancies himself as a, as a bit of a, a joker in the lion squad um, besides yourself because yeah, i'm told that that's that's the case i think if you ask everyone else they would say me um but i think marnes kuman uh, yeah. the six flanker is a bit of a joker um wandisilis milani is quite quite a funny oak i like him a lot and Dan Krill, Dan Krill is quite a joker as well. And tell me, who's the, who's the easiest uh, teammate to prank and to, and to catch out? Um, I would say Steve Satole. He's, I think he's quite fragile for, uh, for a good joke <laughs> or prank, yeah. So he's the best one to catch out. Dylan, let's go, let's go back now to, to kind of where it all started. Uh, born in Bethel in, in, in Pumalanga, uh, a little farming town out there. Um, not much out there, I would imagine, eh? 
No, it's quite small. Uh, I I don't really go there a lot now, uh, but when I drive past there, it's, it still looks the same as it always does. It's very small and a farming community. So yeah, it's not not much going on there, but it's a very nice town to be. And and how did you and your family end up there? Uh, my father stayed in Johannesburg where he worked here, yeah, and then he got a job opportunity in in Secunda where Sassel started many years ago, and. Uh, at that time, Secunda didn't really have a big hospital, so the only hospital that uh, you could go to was in Bethel. So that, that's why I was born there, uh, but we stayed in Secunda for, for quite a while after that. And uh, school in Middleburg, am I right? Yes, yes. I went to RTS Middleburg in, in Middleburg, yes. So while we're talking family life, uh, you know, some people, some rugby players, you know, say they come from a rugby-mad family or, or, or sports-mad family, but... Not too many rugby players I know, professional rugby players I know, have a mother who, who, who was a referee. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, I never thought my mother would get uh, Springbok colours before me in rugby. Um, but it, it was nice having her there and with the rules as me as a rugby player. Um, she really did well. She was the first rugby woman in South Africa to go to a World Cup. And uh, yeah, she really knows the rules and... Like I said, uh, it's good to have a mother like that in the family. We love our rugby. Uh, that's all we can talk about when we're together. So, yeah, it's very nice having her there as well, loving I, the game. I can imagine Sunday lunches and not too much else uh, discussed besides the game. Yeah, it it is quite difficult because uh, you can't really get around stuff with her because she knows everything so well as well. So... That's that's quite everything we talk about. Well, I mean, the relationship between scrum halves and referees in itself is quite <laughs> fractious. So I can't imagine how it goes mother-son as well. Yeah, that's the most difficult thing. She refed me once uh, when I was still a junior. And uh, I think that was the quietest game I've had in my life because I, I couldn't chirp her. But uh, yeah, uh, generally, it's, it's, it's good between uh, nine and, and the referees. And and is her rugby history go go a long way back? Was she always interested in the game as a young girl, or where did it all start for her? She she always loved the game, but she didn't really want to get involved. And then uh, she met met a guy that was was is a good friend of ours, and uh, like any good supporter, she always had something to say about the referee uh, when a game was blown. <laughs> and uh, that guy was actually a referee and said, well, if you think you can do it better, why don't you become a referee? <laughs> and uh, she said, okay, I'll do it. And uh, yeah, years later, she became a Springbok referee. So yeah, she actually did very well. Yeah, I mean, your, your mom has uh, refed the, the, the Women's World Cup uh, men's under 19 level, International 7 Series, was an assistant referee in the... 2008 Vodacom Cup final and has coached and assessed uh, male referees as well. Yes, yeah, so she she had quite uh, good opportunities but I think the way it's grown now the women get a lot of opportunities now and I think if she she was still a youngster now and could get the opportunities now I think she would she would have blown a, a few super rugby uh, matches as well. So now she did really well. Do you ever get into disagreements with your mom about interpretation of the rules? Oh, every every time. single Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite a, a big thing. Uh, my perspective and, and a referee's perspective is quite different. So, but it's good for me because then I see what they see, and yeah. uh, not only from a rugby player's perspective. So, so yeah. So she likes to throw the rule book at you. Yeah. Saying, oh, as per rule, this clause <laughs> that. Uh, Every time, so that's she actually has the the rule book on her phone, so she doesn't even have to get, get to her book. She's got everything on her phone.
<laughs> and and your dad, how, what does he make about that? Does he sit in the background or does he get involved as well? Yeah, uh, he gets involved. He's he's quite one of the worst guys when it comes to referees. Um, he's always got something to say or a bit of banter, um, especially when I play. In his eyes, I can't do anything wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets involved quite a bit. And then if we see it gets a bit rough, then we just stay quiet and take a break for 10 minutes. Do you have any siblings? A uh, little brother, yes. Okay. Also rugby mad? Yes, he actually plays club rugby for Cecil uh, in Secunda. He's also a scrum off. Um, so, yeah, he also loves his rugby. He, he didn't really want to pursue it after after school, mm-hmm. but it's still a big hobby for him and something he loves in his off time. And then uh, you're married to Suane, is that, is that yes, right? Yes, yes, okay. Suane. Okay. So, so her coming into a rugby nuts family, uh, what were some of her first impressions and how did she adjust to just rugby being spoken? Yeah, she, I must say she did quite well uh, because she's not really a rugby fanatic and someone that used to watch every single game. Uh, I'm sad to say that she was a Shark supporter before <laughs> before she met me. Ah, fantastic, uh, like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, but she did quite well and, and every time I play, she's very interested and she... She's grown into the game and learned a lot about the game since since we got married. So yeah, I'm I'm actually very proud of her. Can't imagine though she's gonna throw um, the rule book back in the face of her mother-in-law though. Eh? No, no. The the chats between them in rugby is is few and far between. They don't really talk about rugby. It's when they get together, it's more makeup and all the girly stuff rather than rugby. Now, I believe she's uh, an attorney or a lawyer, is that right? Yes, yes, she's okay. an attorney. Okay, in what sort of area of law is it mining. in Mining, she's in the mining industry, okay. yeah. So she's a, a, a mining a lawyer for, for a company that's based here in Santon, but the mines are in, in Middleburg as well. So she obviously knows her stuff and uh, knows how to argue, I'd imagine, as well. Yes, that's that's quite <laughs> a difficult thing, so I stay away from, from arguments with her. I can imagine you don't chance your arm going out late on a Friday night and coming up with an excuse. Eh? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um, now, in researching, uh, you know, who Dylan Smith is off, off the rugby field, you know, there's a couple of interesting things popped up. I saw you pop up in a cooking show. You want to talk me through that? Uh, yeah, that was in lockdown. Um, I was presented with the opportunity to host something on a, on a cooking show. And I must say it went quite well. Uh, so it, yeah. it was like a Zoom meeting because we couldn't meet. It was in yeah. the strict uh, lockdown regulations and stuff. So we met over a Zoom call. And uh, yeah, so I made my own dish and she made her own dish. And we had to compare who made the, the best dish between a rugby player and a cook. And who was the cook? Uh, Isel Hoffman, yeah, she's a very renowned cook in South Africa, uh, yeah, but she beat me by quite a while. And what did you, uh, what did you cook? Uh, I can't actually remember. I think, yeah, it was a chicken biryani, yeah, it yeah. was, but it was very nice. She took me through everything and guided me well. So I made, I actually made dinner for the whole family because I stayed over at my parents in lockdown in Secunda. So I made, uh, chicken biryani for eight people and it was quite quite nice and and is that you know is cooking something that you're interested in and, and are you a dab hand in the kitchen no um i quite like it um because my wife works very late hours i'm usually the the cook in the house so it's something i really enjoy and i like like creating new dishes and stuff yeah. um but i wouldn't say i'm the best at it but i like learning and, and creating something new now as a rugby player you you obviously have to follow a certain diet i mean uh, you know do you know do 
obviously the Lions feed you guys when you're training and games, etc., and you under their care. But uh, do you have relatively strict instructions from the medical staff about what you should be eating on a daily basis? Yeah, we do have a like a guideline, but it's not like we spoon fed what we what we have to eat. But obviously, it it shows when you have a bad diet or you can't get around the field. Um, so it's it's very individual to how you eat. Uh, so I'm very strict on myself on what I eat, and I don't really eat any takeaways or any fast foods except for maybe a Sunday where I'll have a cheat something to eat. But yeah. uh, Monday to Saturday, I'm I'm quite strict on what I eat. There must be some guys though who battle that who have a sort of weakness for uh, um, McDonald's or yeah, KFC. I, any of the guys in the front row? Oh yeah, all of the front row. I think <laughs> struggle with it. Uh, they, uh, when it comes to Bian Bolton, I think they that's their weakest point. Uh, they they struggle with that, but. Uh, they are they're quite strict as well, and they try to follow it, but it's quite difficult sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously. I mean, when I say it's a different game, it's a different game to what it was 25 years ago when it, you know, when it first went professional in '96. You know, so um, do you think people, you know, the average fan out there doesn't really appreciate just how professional you have to be at this level? Yeah, I I think they don't really see what we put in in the week. I think what they see is just the end product on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and even my wife still thinks I'm joking around from Monday to Friday and then just <laughs> playing my favorite sport that I did at school. Yeah. Um, but I think once you, once you have a week with us, then you quite appreciate what, what we do, what the effort we put in, the, the video sessions, the meetings, everything we have to do, the analyzing, the work, the gyms. Then you realize the, the work we put in to, to get that end product on a Saturday. Well, can you break that down? Give us a bit more detail. So what, what does a week look like if you've got a game on the Saturday? Take us through, without you know, obviously going into too much detail, from Monday, what does the week look like and spending how many hours in each sort of discipline? Yes. So if you plan a Saturday, you'll usually have a, like a recovery day on Monday where you'll do all the analysis and do the video work and review the game that you played uh, with a light gym just to get the body going again and a good field session. And then from Tuesday, we start to look ahead on the next game again. So then it gets a bit tougher. We usually get all our contact in on a Tuesday where we do all our contact stuff. Uh, then video work on, on a preview on the game we playing on Saturday. Is that contact work? Is it, you know, amongst the squad, you know, tackling, you know, obviously contact tackling and, and yes. that sort of thing, but practicing things like hitting rucks, yes, that sort of thing. It's all that type of stuff. Okay. So it's tackle techniques, racking, uh, defensive structures, all that type of thing we yeah. practice on a Tuesday. And then Wednesdays we off. Um, and then Thursday we've got like a, a more lighter, more running session with, with less contact. And then Friday, it's only a captain's run. So it's a very quick run through, just go through our patterns, do everything that we need to get ready for the game. And then, yeah, Saturday's game day. And that off down Wednesday, I mean, you know, you guys must all have your own interests. Um, what are sort of the interesting or varying things that some of your teammates get up to? Do they have business interests? Are they studying? Is it kind of a mix of everything? Yeah, it is quite a mix of everything, these guys that study. Um, quite a few of us like to play golf on a Wednesday, so we yeah. we book a, a golf session somewhere and we get together and play a bit of golf. Uh, some people have lots of business interests as well, so yeah, that's our day where we we do our personal stuff and just get some get some rest away from rugby to 
to get freshened up again. Now, now you've mentioned to me off air that uh, you know the media is an area that you're interested in, and specifically, is there, is there a particular area within that that that, that you're interested? In? You, you mentioned looking beyond your career. I mean, you're 27 now, so you still got a couple of years. But is that something on your mind, the back of your mind? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I have been unlucky in my career where I've had some injuries. Um, this is my third shoulder operation. I've broken my ankle, so I've had a few injuries where where you quite sit at home and you think, well, what if this was the last one? Um, so yeah. after this and after lockdown, I decided that I need to I need to start looking and, at what I'm going to do after rugby. And uh, through my rugby career, I was quite fortunate to, to have a few interviews on TV and r- radio and stuff. And it's something I really enjoyed. So that's something I wanted to pursue. I won't say something in particular yet um, I'm mm. exploring everything at the moment but it's really something I like and I look forward to and I really enjoy it do you think uh, from a rugby writers or broadcasters point of view in, in South Africa do you guys get a relatively easy ride compared to perhaps some of the more critical you know the English the New Zealanders the Aussies uh, do, you, do you get a sense that the rugby press in this country is, is hard on rugby players or gives them a hard time or not um, I think we're very passionate people so the first instance we might be a bit passionate and maybe say something that we would regret in a week's time but i don't think we the people are that harsh i think we we get good criticism when it's necessary um but also the people love rugby players um people love the sport so it's i I think we we really had a good place if i look if i look at other other countries in the world now you're looking beyond your career, and, and I, would, I would say wisely so. And like you said, you don't know when the, when the next injury is going to end it potentially. Um, do you think your fellow rugby players in South Africa are, are as good looking ahead to, to post career? Yes, definitely. I I think that was one thing that that people or rugby players really focused on in the last ten years. I might say um, it's a more newer thing. I would say definitely eh? yeah. because in the beginning, I think people. The rugby players only played rugby and once it ended they wanted to start looking at other other aspects of their life where nowadays I think they've got good people in place to look after their money and manage their, their properties, everything, their affairs well. So I think it's something that's really been better in the last 10 years. Is it, is it a role that, that the agents play or the, the rugby union themselves in terms of setting players up for a post-career and encouraging them to say, listen, you know, you just stick your money away or what about investing in this property? You've got some spare cash. Who kind of takes the lead? Or is it a change from, from player to player? It's, it's quite a broad spectrum. So I think the agents play a big role. Uh, the union plays a big role as well. Um, and and there's people that look after us as well. We've got an organization called My Players that look after the players only. So they've got uh, education systems and uh, universities that we can go to and do our studies if we if we like that. And we've got financial advisors that, that help us with our money, uh, where to invest, where to put it, maybe put it into properties or anything that you would like. Uh, so you sort it when rugby ends for you. That's obviously been a mad time uh, if you look at the last couple of months and obviously the COVID-19 situation has just thrown everything on its head, you know. Um, you as players and coming back into action a couple of months ago, um, you know, how different has it been 
trying to be a professional rugby player under COVID-19 circumstances? Yeah, it's it's really been difficult. Um, but we knew from the start that's that was going to be the case. So we knew that we had to adapt to every situation. Um, the team might change at every given time. Um, so it, it has been difficult. Uh, it's something we had to really adapt to. But I think we really did well, um, given all the aspects from this. So, But I think we really did well. Well, Dylan, thanks very much for, for making time and, and to be my guest on At Home with Dylan Rogers. Obviously, wishing you well with a dislocated shoulder and your recovery and looking forward to having you back on the field of the Lions. Thank you very much for having me.